Welcome to Leading Grace, a listener-supported podcast from the Free Grace Alliance about working together to take the gospel of God's grace to the world. Welcome, fellow Free Gracers. I'm your host, Grant Holly, and I'm here today with co-host and my friend, Dr. Mark Dean Haywood, who is provost of Grace School of Theology and a valued member of the FTA Executive Council. Say hi, Mark. Hello, everybody. It's good to be with you. Yeah, thanks. Good to have you. Also with us today is our guest, Ed Underwood, Executive Officer and Lead Counselor of the Recentered Group. Ed also serves on the Executive Council of the Free Grace Alliance and is the author of several books, including the bestseller, When God Breaks Your Heart, in which he shares about his struggles with leukemia. Ed has fought fires in the Sierras as an Army veteran and served as pastor of the Church of the Open Door in Los Angeles for more than 20 years. Welcome, Ed. It's good to have you on with us. Great to be with you, Grant and Dr. Haywood. Hello from sunny California. (laughs) It sure is an honor to uh, share this time with you. Yes. Um, It's just a joy to uh, get a chance to be with you one more time. Uh, Tell us, uh, Ed, a little bit about where you grew up and uh, anything you want to share about um, uh, the Underwood family. Well, I was... um... The Underwood family, we were Okies. If you've, uh, we are Okies. If you've ever read Grapes of Wrath, both of my parents came out during the Great Depression and came out in their old Model A's. And they were, if you read Grapes of Wrath, the, the Okies were stopped at a river in Kern County. And that was the Kern River. And that's where I was born on the other side of the Kern River. So I grew up in Bakersfield, um, uh, not a Christian home. Uh, a loving home, just a pretty much baby boomer home. I was the first uh, Underwood of my entire extended family to graduate from high school. Okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> something. Um, and then I, uh, uh, I went to work for the Forest Service, and uh, I was uh, a child of the 60s. I was not a Christian. I, was, I graduated from high school in 68, so you can imagine what my life looked like. And I went to work for the Forest Service at, on a hotshot crew, the Fulton Hotshots in the Sierras. And uh, God used that to get me away from my buddies. I mean, we still had a fireman lifestyle. But um, anyway, and then um, that, next, uh, that next year, I trusted Christ uh, through uh, Ministry of Young Life, even though I was out of uh, high school by then, but it's through Young Life. And then it was a Jesus movement. So I'd been a Christian one week, and I was leading a Young Life Club of 300 wow, at, a, wow. at a high school. All I knew was John 3.16. I just stayed a block ahead of the hounds. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one, though. <laughs> yep. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, uh, but I was, uh, I was discipled and pastored by a, seminary, a Dallas Seminary graduate. Uh, and uh, then uh, I really thought I wanted to go to seminary. I found out I had to go to college. And so I kept working for the Forest Service. Judy and I were married, and uh, I went to UC Santa Barbara on an ROTC scholarship. That's how I got into the Army. Mm. And then I, um, I kept fighting fire all through college during the summers. And then um, uh, Judy and I moved to, well, we lived up in the mountains for a while. And then we moved to Ansbach, Germany. I was an Army officer and I loved it. Um, but I decided to resign my commission and went on to Dallas Seminary. And so I was at Dallas Seminary with a bunch of other Jesus Movement guys. It was a real exciting time at Dallas Seminary because we were all off the street, man. I'll never forget. I'll never forget Dan Wallace. It was his first year teaching Greek. He killed me. 
And I, I, he's become a very good friend. And I said, I still don't forgive him for that. But um, <laughs> I just, you know, we, I knew nothing. I, I knew nothing. Uh, anyway, it was a great uh, four years. And from there, um, I uh, ended up here in 1996 after a couple of other pastorates, uh, pastoring the Church of the Open Door, uh, mm -hmm. J. Vernon McGee, historic, uh, planted by R.A. Torrey. And it was a great privilege. It was a it was a great privilege. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah, Thanks man. for that. Yeah. Thank you. So, Ed, you mentioned you came to faith through the Jesus movement. Can you yeah. tell us about that and how that impacted your walk with the Lord? Well, yeah. The uh, the, the the thing is, when you um, when you come to Christ in revival, you don't know it. It just mm -hmm. it's just Christianity to you. And it was an absolute revival, I mean, hundreds and thousands of uh, teenagers, of high school and college students. And so I trusted Christ. I was immediately a leader in young life. I was being discipled by a bunch of guys. Um, and uh, we were, you know, it, it was all new to me. I went anywhere I could go to get teaching. And uh, it, it's, uh, I wrote a book about the um, about the Jesus movement called Reborn to be Wild. It's an insider's look at the Jesus movement because we're totally misunderstood by historians. Mm -hmm. They view us as the product of rock music and long hair and Hurachi sandals and tie-dye shirts. All that was true. Um, but it was uh it was uh it was discipleship. I was I was discipled from the time I came to Christ, and fortunately, I was discipled by a man of grace who mm. taught me, um, you know, taught me. I didn't know about uh, any other version of Christianity except exciting and grace. That's all I knew. Amen. And, um, and then after that, I went to the Army. We were in small groups over there, so that was still the same thing. And uh, I always say I didn't uh, discover boring Christianity until I went to church. <laughs> oh, yeah great. but it was exciting i mean it was just it was absolutely exciting our we would i can still remember just driving anywhere where there was a bible teacher anywhere mm -hmm. and and we listened to uh dr Mc, uh j vernon mcgee i remember listening to him on the radio because he was teaching us the bible if somebody would have told me back then <laughs> you know in 19 uh, 70, that someday you're going to be pastor in that guy's church. I'd have said, you're nuts. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. But that's where I ended up. Yeah, pretty cool. Really cool. Yeah, that's great. Judy yeah, and I, you. I've been married uh, 51 years, and we have three, three adult children and nine grandchildren. So that's us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, Thank it, you. Um, you know, I know that uh, all scripture is important and valuable to you, but is there uh, one book that has really impacted your heart uh, very deeply? And, and if so, um, in what way has it affected you? Are you talking about a book of the Bible? or, or yes, Yeah, book of the Bible. Mm -hmm. A book of the Bible? Um, I would say to start off with, uh, it was uh, in my early, early Christian life, it was all about John, you know, and um, because uh, that's where we're persuaded to trust in Christ for eternal life. And uh, I really hung out there a lot. Um, and then uh, once I started pastoring, uh, and then I understood all of the 
all of the polemic, all, all the attacks against grace, I, um, I guess I, I really would say that um, it'd be Galatians and Romans. That's where I have found, um, I, I found those the best to disciple people. And it's just so, and so very clear. So yeah, I, I would say, I also love the book of Ruth. The, to me, that's so redemptive. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, very good. So uh, I wanted to see if I could get you to tell us a little bit about the Recenter Group and what it does. Uh, Recenter Group uh, came out of uh, of my passion for for uh, for two teachings of Jesus that I think belong in the church: the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. And um, uh, having been a pastor for forty years, I was uh, I, I all I can say is I've been terribly disappointed in um, in the trends of church leadership and. Um, how uh, churches can get off center so easily, so easily. They, um, and, and I wanted to encourage pastors. I always, I felt so alone when I was pastoring. I just, it was extremely lonely. So when I, um, when I handed off Church of the Open Door, I stayed on staff for two more years to uh, disciple the guy that took over for me. And during that time, I started thinking, you know, I really want to help pastors. I want to help churches. Um, I, um, I never had insincere uh, elders. I never had insincere elders. But what I noticed was so many of them, their categories for leadership came out of business. Mm -hmm. And um, they, they weren't really, um, they, they weren't disciple makers because they had never been discipled. And there was, there's just a lot of toxic politics in uh, churches. And uh, so I was sitting with a group of, of, of three other couples that Judy and I have really been intentionally doing life with for about 10 or 12 years. And I, and I gave them my passion. I said, I just wish churches would get back to the Great Commission. Let's make disciples and, uh, and love one another and, and build cultures where uh, the truth is being told and all of that. And, um, and one of the guys said, hey, that sounds like a recenter to me. I said, yeah, that's good. So that's how, that's where the name came from. I've been doing it for five years. And, um, and I just, uh, I just realized with the, uh, with our board last week that I've been exclusively about hel helping churches get healthy mm. because they got, they have messed up. Uh, they have not, well, yeah, messed up uh, dynamics on their leadership team mm. and a lot of blind spots that nobody talks about a lot of rumors going around. Um, and uh and that's been basically what I've been doing. And I really want to start pushing the disciple making aspect of it too, because I have found that a lot of, well, not a lot, um, the majority of discipleship things that I've ever seen, they leave grace out of it. Hmm. It's like you're saved by grace. Now let's get to work. Wow. And, um, and so, yeah, that's what, that's what, that's what I do. I try to help pastors, uh, try to help churches and Christian organizations and, um, and take them through a process where they become more aware of their strengths, more aware of their, more aware of their weaknesses. Uh, they forgive what needs to be forgiven. They repent of what needs to be repented of, but it's all bathed in grace, which is, is new to most people, mm -hmm. absolutely new to most people. Um, that, uh, the, that growing in Christ, you know, Galatians 2.20 says, we just keep on believing him for new things. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. Amen. You know, it the recentered group really sounds fantastic and it sounds like a pretty powerful ministry. And you've explained exactly how you got started, why you got started. Can, can you share with us without maybe uh, divulging any names or churches or what have you, but maybe one experience that really, really stands out in your mind that could impact or uh, assist our listening audience in their ministry or in their walk with the Lord? Yeah, I think I'll, I'll think of uh, maybe I could give you two. Um, okay. Uh, the first has to do with the discipleship factor. And uh, this was a, a young man that I discipled. He was here uh, going to uh, a seminary in, in the Southern California area. And uh, I got, he found out that I was a grace guy. I, I forget how, but anyway, he started coming to the church at the open door and I discipled him and he went to a small church in uh, Idaho. He's a, he's a true country pastor. He grew up at in the sticks. He's a, he's a great exegete. He's, he's just as solid as he can be, but he was having an extremely difficult time getting his elders to, um, buy into discipleship. So I went and I spent a week with him and I spent, uh, like a half a day with each one of the elders. And, uh, what I, what I had to do is I had to equip them. They, they had never been discipled. So they didn't know how they were afraid of it. Um, they viewed Bible teaching as discipleship. And I absolutely affirmed their discipleship, their, their uh, Bible teaching. They were an absolutely grace church, but they were, everybody was trying to run off the fumes of the pastor's, uh, of the pastor's sermon. Mm -hmm. And I remember saying that, that doesn't work. You got to get into these people's lives. And uh, it was a great turnaround for them. And I get, I get, I still get calls from some of these elders and they say, Hey, I just finished with another guy. I, you know, I got to know him. He's great. So that was one uh, really great uh, experience. And then another one, uh, this would be a church in the Midwest. And uh, this is a very common, but tragic uh, dynamic in uh, Christian and churches right now, uh, a very, an extremely sincere uh, lead pastor who of course had problems. We all do. Um, and he had, uh, he called me, I met him, um, met him through for grace Alliance, this guy. And, um, and he called me, he heard me speak, uh, in Dallas, I think three or four years ago, wasn't Grant that I spoke. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, and I was, and I didn't know about for grace Alliance. I just went there because Charlie Bing's my friend. And I wanted to see him. <laughs> And then I found out it was, it was rocking. I wanted to be a part of it, but, um, <laughs> but anyway, um, he called me and he said, Hey, I got a problem. You know, I'd like for you to talk to, we have a, uh, um, a reconciliation team and the reconciliation team. What was really going on was his executive pastor had started networking behind his back. This is so common and so sinful and so horrible, but his executive pastor had started networking behind his back, pointing out his faults and everything. And um, so I got in touch with their elders and uh, I went back there and I, I gave the executive pastor and the pastor, I took them through the process. I take them through uh, talking about their strengths and their weaknesses and how they've hurt people and how they need to ask for forgiveness and try to clear the air and reconcile their relationships. And um, what I find is that this process, uh, uh, what I say to churches, I say, it'll tell you who you really are, whether it's what we want or not. Mm 
<laughs> so, uh, so what happened was when I, these elders came to me and they said, okay, we want to keep both these guys on staff. We want them to reconcile and get along together. And I said, man, that's what I'm going for because that's what Jesus wants. He wants reconciliation. And uh, it, seemed, it seems so seldom taught that mm. the number one validator of the gospel of Jesus Christ is church unity. That's what Jesus says in John 17. It's the one thing that will, it's the most persuasive thing. Um, anyway, and I said, yeah, I'd love for these guys to, uh, to get along. But as we went through the process, um, the lead pastor was so open and so vulnerable and so ready to confess and so ready to ask for repentance. And the executive pastor, we just found out who he really was. Wow. And uh, he tapped out. And I told him when I went in, I said, we've got these options. They're, they're going to they're reconcile and move forward together, which is what we want. One of them's going to quit or both of them are going to want to quit. But anything's better than the toxicity of what you have right now. Mm -hmm. um, because, um, you know, I, um, one of the things I always say, it's a principle of communication. I didn't think of it. Communicators thought of it. But um, the least... The, um, the least trusted message uh, in any organization is the most crafted message. That's the least trusted message. Mm -hmm. So when we have uh, pastors and elders up there talking about grace and talking about the love of God, and they treat each other as if, I mean, they treat each other horribly and they fire people without notice and all these things happen. The people in the pew are thinking, you know what? They talk grace, but they don't believe it. And that's what makes me sad. Yeah. But those are two real success stories. Uh, I've had non-success stories too, which are just heartbreaking. Absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that. You bet. Yeah, thank you so much. So, uh, Ed, I was stalking you a little bit on your Amazon author profile. Uh, getting ready for this little podcast. And okay. I saw a quote that really stuck out to me. Uh, you said, I'm too old, too tired, and too sick to keep doing stuff that doesn't matter. And uh, I really liked that quote. And I wondered if you could talk a little bit more about that, especially to tell our audience what kind of things matter and what kind of things don't and why. Yeah, I, um, I, I came up with that. Um, I was persuaded of it when I wrote When God Breaks Your Heart. Uh, I, I was, I uh, was taken down by the leukemia in 2000, almost killed me, um, almost killed me again in 2003, <laughs> but, uh, and I just live with it now. It, it can be pretty miserable. Um, and, but then when I was writing, uh, reborn to be wild and I was reconnecting with all these Jesus movement friends, you know, I, once God had me on this short leash, because I still have this. And I just thought, you know, everybody's time is limited. We're all finite. We don't act like it, but we're all finite. And, um, and I always tell people, I say, the difference between you and me is I think I know what I'm going to die of. You don't know yet. <laughs> anyway, um, I was just thinking of all the board meetings and all the staff meetings and all the, the planning and vision and all of that stuff. And I was thinking, you know, that's all that's great. But what really matters to Jesus is making disciples and loving one another. Mm. And, mm -hmm. um, 
and it, and it just, you know, it, it, it grew on me. And as I became older, uh, I knew it was probably time to tap out as a pastor because some of that stuff you still need to care about. I just didn't anymore. Um, but I want to, I want to be about what matters most to Jesus. I want to, I want to take wounded pastors or wounded elder boards, wounded church leadership and show them a better way so that the people in that church can relax and they don't have to have this merry-go-round of changing pastors every three years. And then, you know, I just, uh, so I think what matters most to Jesus is making disciples and loving one another. And that, those are two huge assignments. And the reason, uh, you know, I'm also a grace guy, those two can only be accomplished by grace. The only sustainable discipleship has to be powered by the grace of God. Mm-hmm. It has to be powered by the grace of God in the same way with uh, loving one another. Um, um, the grace of God gives us a capacity to do what we can't do in the flesh. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm too, I'm too tired. I was, uh, uh, you know, I've always been never really fit into church culture because of my background, you know, being a Jesus movement dude. And, um, and, uh, and then um, I just uh, became really, really discouraged by the huge waste of time and all the posturing. And I just decided, you know, once I'd been at Church of the Open Door 15 years and had been through all the wars, it was a, it was a really broken church when we went in there, even though it was historic. You know, 15 years in, I was bulletproof. <laughs> so I could stop saying do whatever I wanted to. And uh, that was a good feeling. But it wasn't because I wanted to be a dictator. It was because I had earned trust. Mm-hmm. You know, and that wasn't me. Obviously, it was the spirit working through me. And it wasn't because I didn't make mistakes, because I made plenty of them. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, thank you. You know, having uh, responded to uh, Grant's question, I love your answer. Uh, here's another question that I think I may even know the answer to it, but uh, I want to hear it from you. If you had one topic um, that you uh, had to select to teach, which one would you choose and why? If I had one topic that I wanted to... Um, going into this year. Yeah, going yeah. into this year? Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Uh, the topic that I would want to teach, and uh, I'm rewriting, I wrote a discipleship manual that's uh, all grace-oriented in 1997. I'm rewriting it now, and I'm adding a new chapter because I realized that the hole in my discipleship was our identity in Christ, hmm. our sanctification mercies. Uh, you know, when uh, when Dr. Rodmacher wrote that book on, on, uh, on salvation, uh, in that Dallas seminary series, I was, I, I was a friend of Dr. He was a friend and I, I was really understanding that. And then a uh, Talbot, uh, prof wrote the, um, the forgotten blessing. I forget his name. It was all about sanctification though. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, this is all the stuff I learned. I mean, I learned about our new identity in Christ and the constitutional change. They taught us that, but I never quite was able to. So I think our identity in Christ and encouraging people to live out of those resources rather than trying to uh, get energized. You know, Um, I think that's one topic I would teach on more. And the one topic that I regret, I didn't teach on enough with justice. Mm -hmm. I didn't teach on it enough. And it, I found it that it surprised me being a child of the sixties 
and uh, all on board, um, you know, with all with Dr. King and all of that. And then somehow that faded out of my Bible teaching. And, uh, and I, I hate to admit it. I mean, Grant and I have been through this a little bit. It, it's, it's kind of hard to get that back into teaching circles sometimes. I understand. Thank Can you. you actually elaborate a little bit on that, on, on justice and that sort of thing? Yeah, I think that um, I, I feel that, uh, that we live in an either or uh, sphere that we shouldn't, we shouldn't live in. And that is either um, in, the, in the more liberal churches, usually, you're all about the hands and feet of Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, you're all about feeding people. You're all about racial reconciliation, caring for the poor. And then on the other side, that is the real conservative ones. And we're all about people being redeemed and going to heaven. And I think the two should be blended. I think if anybody should be talking about justice, it ought to be us grace guys. Amen. Because we have the power to do it. We have the power to admit uh, our blind spots because of our culture. And we have the power to love cross-culturally that no one else would. If, if, they, if they don't believe in grace, you know, they're just, they're, they're a social worker. With, that's it. I mean, social workers are good, but I'd rather see a redeemed social worker Amen. Um, advocating for the poor and, and, and advocating for um, the uh, injustice in, in our world. Wow. Yeah, very good. Thank you. Yeah. So um, what do you want to see happen in the free grace movement in the next 10 years? Um, I would love, um, I'd like to know what Dr. Haywood thinks about that first before <laughs> I, before I've been doing all the talking. Well, yeah. Dive right in, man. We want to hear from you today. Okay. Well, I would love to uh, see uh, I, what I love about uh, the Free Grace Alliance is that we that we're not narrow. Um, we, uh, if somebody doesn't um, cross all their T's and dot all their I's the way we do, as long as they believe in the free gift of salvation and no works involved. Mm. Um, we can invite them in, but I would love to see um, the, the, the free grace movement move away from the polemic, mm-hmm. away from the polemic. We've, uh, we've answered all the questions that the Lordship Salvation people are ever going to ask us, and we persuaded all of them that are ever going to be persuaded. And um, I would say uh, that we should do with free grace uh, what Martin Luther said to do with the Bible. Let's just unleash it, man. Mm. Let's unleash it. And for, for literally for Jesus sake, we need to quit arguing over it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have, I always say we have, uh, I have my hands up right now uh, about a yardstick. If, if the yardstick is all of conservative Christianity, the first inch marker are the ones that believe in free grace. Mm-hmm. And what we've done is we've divided that up into quarter inches in all these different camps. And it absolutely discourages me. And I was on it from the beginning, man. I was uh, part of the initial response to the popularity of Lordship Salvation in 19, whenever it was, 77, yeah, 78, somewhere around there. So, yeah, I would like for us to, uh, to be talking a whole lot about discipleship. I would like for us to be um, 
to be speaking into uh, contemporary issues mm-hmm. that people are 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 thinking about, and uh, and what I found at Church of the Open Door is not only did I have a ministry of, uh, not only did we have a ministry of people trusting in Christ, we also had a huge ministry of assurance. Mm huge people who were truly Christians and had been taught bad theology the next second and, uh, and, and, and watching them set free by the teachings on assurance of salvation. And, and I would also like to see us really begin emphasizing our, um, our sanctification mercies from the book of Romans and that. So, yeah, that's what I'd like to see. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much. Yeah. You know, we've heard a lot of things from you, Ed, today, a lot of good things. And um, let me confess that uh, the uh, uh, Great School of Theology is uh, very uh, pleased with, you know, the services that you offer to us. Oh, thank you. We're yeah. beneficiaries of uh, your, uh, your gifts and your talents. But how can uh, people get in touch with you um, to benefit from your services? Or how could they um, uh, support you? How, how would they be able to contact you for support? Uh, well, you just go to recenteredgroup.com, and uh, everything everything is there. Um, we have a podcast. Uh, it's on it's it's uh, sermons by Ed. A, a lot of all of my um, all of my we're putting up sermons that I taught from Church of the Open Open Door. Right now, we're in a series on Hebrews. So, and I have I offer them all the notes. So. All the pastors of churches have to do is is contact me on recenteredgroup.com. Uh, they'll get my email. That's probably the easiest way to do it. And uh, we can start a conversation about how I can help them. Or like right now, since I've been teaching the book of Hebrews, I have a lot of young pastors. There's not a lot, as you know, there aren't a lot of resources on the book of Hebrews that right. um, don't uh, that uh, don't cause people to wonder about the sureness of their salvation. So um, I, I like supplying all those notes to young pastors. I like coming alongside them. And, uh, and I, love, uh, I love helping churches um, get healthy. Yeah. So repeat that website one more time so that they can get it. Recentered, R-E-C-E-N-T-E-R-E-D, group.com. Um, Just uh, make Recenter Group one one word or you could just google ed underwood and then it all comes up right thanks a lot Ed. Yeah, yeah thank you so much fga has a lot coming up in the next few months on february 18th through 20th we'll be having a regional conference on the topic motivated by grace at emmanuel baptist church in starkville mississippi on the weekend of april 23rd we'll have a conference on grace and discipleship at trinity bible church in allenwood new jersey We'll have another conference on the same topic at Iglesia de Cristo Perea in Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic on July 1st and 2nd. Then we have two conferences in Ghana. The first is Bogotanga on July 7th, and the second is in Kumasi on July 8th and 9th. On the weekend of September 17th, we'll have a conference in Washington at Lacey Bible Church. Also, be on the lookout for a conference we're hoping to have in Finland in August. Details for all these will be on freegracealliance.com as soon as they become available. 
Be sure to check out Leading Grace Magazine at freegracealliance.com slash magazine for some great articles and information about FGA and what we're doing to advance the gospel through connecting, encouraging, and equipping Free Grace people and ministries. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you would like to become a member of the Free Grace Alliance or to support FGA in its efforts to share grace graciously, you can do that and learn more about FGA at freegracealliance.com.